Live from the headquarters of Common Sense, this is Common Sense Christianity. As always, I'm your host, Ethan Foster, here today with another episode. And guys, if you have any questions about this episode or about the ministry, go um, comment on this video or email me at commonsensechristianitypodcast at gmail.com. And today, guys, uh, we're going to be talking about, does religion have any place in public life? And guys, I'm not uh, as well prepared as I should be for this episode, so forgive me if I make a few mistakes during this. So that this, again, uh, is a controversial topic within uh, just politics in general, between Christians, atheists, Muslims, etc. And it really comes down to uh, the American principle of separation of church and state. So, of course, we all should think that the state itself should not be um, the church or promote any particular church. That is very uh, specifically described within the Constitution. But should we have things such as, like, in God we trust on the dollar bills, for example, uh, which has caused a little bit of controversy? I would argue in that particular instance, yes, we should keep that because it reminds us of our our country's heritage in that sense. But when it comes to public life in general, most of us do not care about that particular instance. And what I see, it really comes down to is things in our public schools, in our public school system, right? Because um, as we all know, the majority of Americans are religious, and therefore you're going to have a lot of more religious teachers. So should they um, be allowed to implant their biases or implant their worldviews in the classroom? And for me, I would say it depends on the subject they teach, right? So, like, let's just take uh, a certain example. If you were to have a young earth creationist teaching biology, and in biology you have to teach evolution, then, in that instance, I would have to say you have to teach the curriculum at hand. But if you were to be teaching something such as a health class, for example, and you had to teach something on homosexual behavior, just for, this is pure example, I'm not saying this is actually happening, and it it disagrees with your personal religious beliefs, then I think you can make an exception. But it also comes down to, in this particular example that I'm bringing up, of what you signed up for. If Going back to the biology teacher example, if you're a biology teacher, you already know the curriculum for biology. So if you're going to complain about that, that's on you. You signed up for that job. And even if you disagree with it, you should still have to teach uh, the curriculum. Now, I also want to stress the importance of open debate within the classroom. We can take geography or history class, for example, and you learn about uh, different world religions And those world religions, of course, have conflicting views. You can take Islam, you can take Mormonism, you can take Christianity. All of those religions have different opposing views, right? So I think there should be a a way for people to openly and safely discuss their um, differing views. So going back to the main question of does religion have a place in public life. It has a place in terms of individual 
lives. Now, I am not saying you cannot publicly express your religion. That is not at all what I'm saying. If that's you, that's you. But the problem is too many people have enforced their beliefs on other people. And that is the main problem right there. What you need to do and what we need to do is to make sure that everyone has the um, right to freedom of speech and freedom of religion and the freedom to ignore those religions and ignore those principles. And we need to balance it out. It's like on this channel, I do not block atheist comments because those are the majority of comments I get. They should be able to express their views on YouTube, on Instagram, or on Apple Podcasts the same amount as I do and and be guaranteed the same rights that I do because of freedom of speech and freedom of religion, these natural rights as uh, Christians, as um as atheists, as people who believe in the American Constitution, we should all share and we should all hold dear. Now, I'm going to go back and look at some comments I haven't answered yet. And I'm going to go ahead and answer them and I'll respond too. So we're going to go back. I responded uh, uh, to this dude in one of my uh, podcast episodes, uh, Bill Garthright, who... From what I've seen, he's a pretty intelligent and interesting person to, to talk to. And if he's watching this, sorry, I, it's taking me so long to respond to your comment. I'll respond to, to it right after this video. But he says, to put shortly, I look at the universe and, oh, he's quoting me, my bad. To put shortly, I look at the universe and evolutionary history and just marvel at all of it. So I base my belief in God off of that to put it as simple as I can. He says, thanks for the reply, but that is, that's called an argument from ignorance or the variation called an argument from personal incredulity, which is known as uh, a logical fallacy. It's like saying that you marvel the sun, therefore, to keep it as simple as possible, it has to be Jesus driving a golden chariot across the sky. So to respond to this really quickly. Uh, if I may, the problem here is, is that the sun does not necessarily put the big picture if that it makes a bit of sense of it. So with me, I use the examples of, let's just take a computer that I'm using for this video, right? We can look at this computer and we can come up with two conclusions. Either it was designed or it wasn't. Those are the two conclusions we have right now. So my conclusion and everyone else's conclusion would be that it's designed based on the things that have happened that you can see with the computer. And you do not see nature produce these things. Now, with the sun, based on scientific research, you can see that produce. You can see uh, the scientific processes of stars being born over millions of years. But something from nothing has never occurred. You can't see that. Now, I am not using God of the Gaps here. Check out our God of the Gaps video if you're curious on my perspective of that. I'm not suggesting God of the Gaps. But again, it makes sense to me, to me, uh, that if I see design, if I see complexity in the universe, for me, it is reasonable for me, get it, it's me, assuming that there has to be a creator 
behind the universe. Because for me, I cannot take that step of faith in a sense to um, say that maybe natural causes created the whole universe. For me, that just doesn't seem reasonable. And to you, it may seem reasonable enough. And that's you. We can have this discussion all day. But again, as I've said, ever since we started this channel, it is all it all comes down to worldviews and different perspectives. Continuing on, the universe is evidence that the universe exists. It's not evidence of why the universe exists. Certainly, complexity doesn't imply God. Indeed, if you look at evolution, there's abundant evidence that life was not intelligently designed, and zero evidence that it was. Uh, how so? I, I think that there is plenty of intelligent design being shown in that. Now, again, it could just be me not wanting to admit it. I can admit my bias here, and you can admit yours too. Uh, for me, when I look at things at, at just as the development of creatures, right? So you can look at bacteria and then go to multicellular organisms, and you look at that gap right there. Why do they start working together? Again, knock out of the gaps, I am making a point here in that of there are things that do not make sense. And I'm not just assuming that it is God that fills in the so-called gaps. So don't say that in the comments or I will be very frustrated with you and I will point that out. But what I am saying is that there are so many of these so-called coincidental occurrences along, uh, along the universe's history, along evolution evolutionary timeline that it seems to me that there is something going on here. That's just my opinion. And we can debacle over that all day if you want. And then he quotes me again. I start from there and look at the main and most significant stories of the New Testament and see if there's any possibility of them being true. And he said, I'm sorry, that's extremely vague. Can you pick one of them and make your case? I don't know how you judge the possibility of magic, by the way. Uh, uh, anyway, and you should be looking for evidence instead of trying to calculate the possibility of something we've never known to happen, don't you think? Well, I can throw that right back at you. If, if there is no God, then the universe was created from nothing, by nothing, by supposing natural causes. And it all comes down to probability. Because you can't detect God. No one's suggesting that. But what you can detect is the likelihood. And judged by the scientific evidence presented, I come to the conclusion that there most likely is a God. Uh, possibility of magic, that's just reduced to get, honestly. Uh, and something we've never known to happen. We've never seen anything pop from nothing. I mean, we haven't. That's not the argument I'm going to use against you, though. So uh, that's just my opinion on that. And then he quotes me again. Given there are several outside sources confirming a few events in the New Testament, namely Josephus and Tacitus, for example, that tells me it is not just a fable, but rather historically grounded document that may have a spin to it. And then he says, again, it's extraordinarily vague. I have no idea what few events you're even talking about or how Josephus and Tacitus would know anything about it anyway. They hadn't even been born yet. Why would the disciples, and then he quotes me, why would the disciples make up the resurrection story if there's no benefit to it? And then he said, which uh, disciple and which story? I don't know of a disciple who wrote a resurrection story. 
would you be a little more specific? Well, Matthew, for example. Uh, and he said, sorry, but I asked you for one piece of good evidence. And all I got, uh, a, bowl, a whole bunch of extremely vague claims. If you look at each one of those claims in detail, I think you'll find there's no good evidence backing them up. But since you haven't actually said anything specific, it's hard to say. Again, I really appreciate the reply, but how about one piece of good evidence about uh, one of those things in enough detail that I know what you're talking about and can judge the evidence for myself? So sorry for being so vague for you there. But again, I'll respond to you uh, after this video, and we're running out of time here, folks. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of Common Sense Christianity. Email me at commonsensechristianitypodcast at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram, check out YouTube, podcast, whatever. Subscribe to it all and give me personal feedback on it. And if you have any questions, let me know. And until next time, I'm Ethan Foster here with Common Sense Christianity. You just listened to an episode of Common Sense Christianity. I'm your host, Ethan Foster, as always. And we love doing this for you guys. Please share the podcast with your friends and family if you like it. And frankly, even if you don't, Uh, subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review so that more people can hear the word of God. And until next time, God bless you.